You're listening to Coffee Break with New York Wiki. I'm your host, Julie hockheiser Ilkovich, and today I'm here with two friends um, and colleagues, Sally Sussman, who is the Executive Vice President and Chief Corporate Affairs Officer at Pfizer, and Lisa Sherman, President and CEO, the Ad Council. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. We're so excited to have you. I think this might be our first friendship <laughs> interview. <laughs> Two friends on the show. So we're going to start, as we always do, talking about coffee. Um, we learn a lot about the women on our show from their coffee drinks of choice. So what do you like to drink? What's your coffee drink of choice? I'm uh, actually not a coffee girl. Okay. I am a green iced tea girl. Delicious. Venti green iced tea with one stevia every day from Starbucks. And that's year-round, even in the cold? Absolutely. Okay. This morning included. Okay. <laughs> in this cold, rainy and, and that New York is, day. that is so you. <laughs> <laughs> it's healthy. It's on trend. Not me. I wake up thinking about my coffee. I prepare it the night before. I run down, pop the button, brew it, sit there with my cup, and wait for it to come in. <laughs> And I'm trying to drink it black because I'm trying to get off the milk. Really? I mm-hmm. didn't know that. Yeah. And how's that going? Black coffee? It's going fine. Okay. It's going fine. With sweetener? With a little bit of sweetener. Okay. okay. <laughs> Gotta have the sweetener. <laughs> We're not going to be crazy here. No, exactly. So we should differentiate the voices. So the first voice you heard is Lisa, and the second voice is Sally. The green tea is Lisa, and the black coffee, Sally. So you both have jobs that cover a lot of different responsibilities, very big roles that do a lot of different things. I'd love if each of you could tell us, you know, what your actual job description entails, what you're actually doing kind of. I know this is always the hard question because every day is different, but you're kind of day to day at your roles. So this is Sally, just to (laughs) confirm the voice. I love it. Um, As chief corporate affairs officer at Pfizer, my real mission is to connect the company with the important stakeholders that matter to us. So that plays out through leading our corporate responsibility work, leading the Pfizer Foundation, also communications, government affairs, policy, and working closely with our business and R&D units, all with the purpose to explain to the world who we are and listen to what the world needs from us and to try to build that bridge. That's my mandate. That's fabulous. A lot of times we'll take our guests on the journey of how they got to this job. We with two people here, we didn't have enough time to go through everything. But what are some of, you know, what are some of your key experiences that brought you to this role because it is a really interesting role and has some, you know, I'm sure there's some background that was really vital to where you are today. Well, the key elements to the journey really started with a desire to to do good and mm-hmm. to try to find a place in the world from which I could do good and thought I might either be the mayor of my town, or a journalist. Um, But after a short stint in government, I really came to believe that business um, was an exciting and challenging and interesting place from which you could create a lot of change. And then really just two things real quick shaped that journey. Mm -hmm. One was the AIDS crisis, because I saw a group of people disenfranchised, vulnerable, fighting their way into the system and making a big difference. And I thought, wow, this sort of stakeholder power is quite something. And, of course, the second thing is digital media, which changed everything. So when you combine those two forces, it made for an interesting career in finding a way to communicate with and embrace and get to know various stakeholders. Now that's really that's really really helpful and and so Lisa 
tell us about your everyday and kind of what were some of the key experiences that brought you here as well. Sure. So the Ad Council, uh, as the CEO, uh, is really about fulfilling our mission. That's that's what I think my mandate is. And so our mission is to use the power of communications to take on the most important issues facing our country. And there are many of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think about focusing my time in this role on ensuring we have the right strategy, uh, that we have the right talent, that we're creating the right culture, and that we have the right resources to be able to fulfill the work and our mission. And so that involves everything from partnership development, fundraising, um, being a brand ambassador and talking about our work uh, to communicate to others how they might want to connect into what we do. You know, we work with uh, the communications industry, agencies, media companies, tech platforms, brands, um, and who generously donate their time and resources to help us do our job. And so the more uh, we can uh, broaden the tent and invite more people in, the more powerful our work is. That's great. It's all about community building in the end, and it networking is. and community building. And how did you all meet and get to know each other, become friends, colleagues? What's the story there? So. I found myself in Washington, D.C. in the mid-'80s, and uh, as did Sally, who was, I think you got there before me, which typically happens (laughs) in everything. Um, And um, we got involved in, um, you know, the AIDS crisis Mm -hmm. uh, through gay politics, actually, and um, came to know each other that way. Um, The piece that uh, actually connected us is that I met uh, a woman who is now Sally's wife at the time um, and um, was not her wife at the time. It's her wife today. Um, And so was there at the beginning of what is an amazing 30-plus year relationship. And I actually had to vet her. And it wasn't easy. (laughs) No, it wasn't easy. She was very tough on me. Very tough on me. You barely passed. I barely made it through. But she did, and thank God she did because she's one of my besties. I love that. It's great. It was it was very powerful to meet Lisa in the um, mid '80s. People in Washington were just coming out, and you know she was very brave, um, very out. Uh, was out to her parents at the time when I wasn't, and really provided something of a role model for me at the time. And just somebody I thought, I just want to be her friend. That's how that's how it started. That's I mean, wonderful. The, it was just there from the very beginning. I love it. And and how do you find you lean on each other mostly? Is it a lot of work talk because you are in the same world world? Do you do you end up really looking to each other more for communicating about work? Is it a mix or do you try to forget about work when you're together? <laughs> We never forget about work. So, <laughs> unfortunately, the answer. Uh, yeah, we were fighting for the answer to get the answer that. I mean, I think one of the things that is particularly beautiful about the friendship that Lisa and I have is the breadth that it spans and the depth to which it goes. Um, I mean, by coincidence, this morning we had breakfast at the corner diner, which we sometimes do. We show up with an agenda. We each have agendas. <laughs> it's just usually something scratched out on the back of an envelope. But it, it usually runs the gambit from a professional issue, um, and that doesn't, it could be something at work, it could be something in the broader sense of some of the community work we're doing, 
uh, to the challenges of parenthood or being just in the sandwich generation with parents and children. Um, and it, it, we're just very lucky that it's such a three-dimensional friendship. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I think about, you know, you have your given family mm-hmm. and you have your chosen family. And Sally and Robin, Sally's wife, are really my chosen family. And so we've been through everything together on personal issues, professional issues, family issues. It's so integrated, it's almost hard to sort of parse them apart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's funny. This morning I met with a young colleague in, in my team, and he was asking my advice about networking and how do you find time to do it and everything. And I basically said to him, it's just really invaluable if you can find someone who will tell you the truth, mm. who you have the confidence and you know enough about each other for that truth to be meaningful. Yep. So that is just a huge gift that we have, and it's something I really try to encourage in my team. It's find such great someone advice. that can hold the mirror up to you. Absolutely. And I just have to say it's so much fun that we get to do so many work things right. together. You know, when we go to conferences together, we'll host dinners together that are business dinners, or we'll do fundraising events together. I mean, it's just such a pleasure to be able to to participate in each other's lives in so many ways. Yeah. And, and we will let you ask a question no, in a I minute. Would, but, I would um, listen to you guys talk all day. I'm like, I don't really want to ask any of my questions. <laughs> since this is a Women in com- yes, Communications um, put together podcast, it was an ultimate poetic moment that we were able to win the Matrix in the same year because the truth is we both really wanted to win it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And we would sometimes um, try to help one another and say, well, maybe if you do a little more of this, or <laughs> why don't you try, to th- try some of that? And then the fact that it came around in that way when I received a call to say that I had the honor of winning one, the first thing I thought is, I got to tell Lisa, and you know, the fact that we were able to do it together was extraordinary. It was really extraordinary. super special. I love that. Well, congratulations Thank on you. your Matrix Awards, and I should say it was, you know, the idea of the guests to be on this episode together. <laughs> we had been talking <laughs> to do one, and we didn't know that you guys were such great pals. And um, I'm so excited to have you both. I think it's been interesting for me to I get to interview a lot of amazing women for this podcast, and there is a common thread of just female friendship, women in the communications fields who don't work together necessarily, but like work in the same world so they can understand each other's issues. Um, I love the idea of bringing an agenda to a friend. <laughs> I mean, but sometimes, you know when you leave sometimes lunch with a friend, you're like, oh, I wish I talked about this. Oh, so yeah. that really helps optimize, optimize the time. We do time checks to make sure we can still cover everything that we haven't covered. <laughs> You'd like time block each, exactly. each agenda item. We have five minutes for this. Go. Oh, you can't tell me any more about your kids. We're done. We're done. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing all of this with us. You talked a little bit about how you both have been involved in politics in the past. And, you know, I, it's an interesting time for politics now. And I think a big question is just it it really is in in the world, you know, talking, speaking about politics. It's in the universe. It's not just happening in our homes anymore. It's really um, something people are doing more and more in the workplace. And I think people feel very comfortable speaking out about politics, maybe more than ever. 
based on your experiences, like, what do you think about getting political in the office? So, you know, we're approaching an election with social media, with um, different ways that we're kind of representing ourselves, even maybe not in at work, but that mm-hmm. our colleagues and coworkers can see. Do you think it's appropriate to talk about it? She's raising her hand. my hand for Lisa. <laughs> do you mind if I go No, first go, 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 go. Um, so I do a fair amount of politics in my work, you know, leading um, the government relations department and having had a, a um, having worked both in the Senate and in the Clinton administration. And a, a pas- politics is a passion of mine. But my advice for the workplace is to get involved in policies more than in politics. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in healthcare, there are two things that we at Pfizer really care about. One is policies that promote access to medicine for patients, and secondly, policies that encourage innovation, so that in our pipeline we're encouraged through tax policy, through patent policy, to continue to find cures that are going to change patients' lives. That's our purpose, breakthroughs that change patients' lives. So I think it's wise to be less about small politics, small P politics, mm-hmm. and to be more about sort of capital P policies, things that you believe in, values that you're advocating for. I think that's great advice. I think it's tough yeah. to be apolitical, but I think leaning towards just thinking about policies is, a, is great, great advice. Lisa, how, at the Ad Council, how are you all determining what are the most important? At the beginning of this interview, you kind of talked about, you know, having to prioritize issues. Like, yep. what, how are you determining what are the issues that we're able, you're able to cover on any given day, month, year? So we, um, you know, we use communications to drive behavior change. That's really the power of what we do. And so when we look at a filter of issues, we have to put it through a couple of tests. Is it something that has a clear target audience? Is it something that there's a clear call to action so somebody can actually do something? Um, is there, um, you know, we are nonpartisan, back to the political question. So we don't take a stand. Uh, a political stand on any issues, so um, and we don't do any advocacy, so we have to figure out how to thread the needle on issues because I really believe fundamentally that most issues are not political issues. I think we're living in a world today where most issues get politicized, and so how do we? How can we? One of our filters is how can we thread the needle on an issue to make sure we're really driving the messaging that that speaks to both sides. Um, And then we look at the issues themselves. Are they big enough? Uh, Is it something that warrants the resources of this industry to get behind? Um, And I think those are the the primary uh, criteria that we look at. Yeah. It's interesting to think about how we personally can prioritize our own issues and policies, as you mentioned, as well. You both have had incredible careers and have spoken about, you know, balancing families and friends and work. Do you... Think about time management or multitasking in any particular way. Like, do you have tips that you absolutely follow or systems that you use that really help you kind of manage this 360 life? So it's really hard, really, really hard. Um, However, uh, there are a couple things I've been doing in the last year just to try and keep my head on straight. Um, One of them is to um, try and gang meetings all together and then keep a block of time 
so that I can actually focus on catching up on something or looking at email and actually responding. So creating blocks of time for my time to do what I need to do. Um, I'm also uh, trying to keep Fridays really light mm -hmm. um, and using that as a day to catch up. And then if I really need to do heads down work in the middle of a work day, I will close my, uh, I will turn off my Outlook and I'll turn off my alerts so I'm not distracted by the thousands of emails that will come in. And then I'll give myself a break after an hour and check and see what I'm missing. That's great. That, that Those are such great tips that any of us could follow. Like, I have no meeting Mondays. Like, I just mm -hmm. don't do meetings on Monday. Because, the, the, as you know, the whole week will then just, like, slip by with no actual work being done. Um, I know there's a lot of tools now to pause your email. So it's interesting that you're just like, just I'm pausing down. it. Right. <laughs> I'm closing it. I'm closing it. Anything that you're well, working I, on? I think that um, Lisa makes a great point that you really have to be purposeful about finding time for meaningful work and to not allow your day to be eaten alive by the urgent rather than the important. And so that that's one thing. Personally, I don't waste a lot of time going to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> And she's very multitasking on her walks. I, I take a lot of walks. Um, I am multitasking in that I'm commuting. Yes. Um, but I'm also thinking or listening to podcasts totally. like, like these uh, to kind of stimulate my, my thought process and breathe a little air and get a little exercise. Not at the gym. <laughs> You heard it here first. Don't go to the gym and you'll be a successful. <laughs> We've been trying to get her to spin for years. She's tried it, but she's ultimately decided it's not her thing. It's interesting, like spinning or any gym class where you shut. On one hand, probably a lot of people enjoy it because you get to shut out the world. But also, I love to walk. And as New Yorkers, a lot of us walk mm -hmm. so much. Like that time mm -hmm. to make a phone call that you can listen to a podcast that you do get some of your best thinking done. Like that's some. You know, that's not as easy to do when you're actually working out. So pick your priorities. <laughs> what do you think we as women should be talking about more in the workplace? Within New York Women in Communications, we have talked about this kind of mission of um, like women heard, of us just starting to talk about things that might be uncomfortable topics that in the past have felt taboo, even if they're really not, or they are things that men are talking about and it isn't even like a thing that they would think twice about. So you know, is it talking about money? Is it talking about balance, which we try on this podcast not even to call it work-life balance anymore because it's never balanced work-life at any given time. It's one probably or the other taking over and it changes. What do you think mm -hmm. are topics you wish that we were talking about more? Well, on the Pfizer Executive Committee, where I sit, it is actually 50-50 male-female as of late. And it's made a big difference, yeah, and it's created fabulous. more balance, and, and I think that's wonderful. Um, I think the answer to your question is really about the quantity of women speaking, that still, even in this very kind of democratic and, and fair parity council of, of the Executive Committee, Men are talking more. They're leading the conversation more, asking more questions. And so I, I really try myself and to encourage my female colleagues to jump in. You, your answer doesn't have to be perfect mm -hmm. to be valid. The other thing that I try to do frequently is to stand up 
for my sisters in the room. So just yesterday, people were talking about an internal, talking about a meeting with a, a subcommittee of our board. And these two guys were talking as if they were the only two executives there, but there was also a woman there. And I said, well, wasn't she there too? <laughs> you, you, so it's hard sometimes to do that for ourselves, but it's not hard at all to do it for someone else. Mm-hmm. So I think raising our own voices, but opening the door for someone else to get in a conversation. I think that's great. That's really good advice. And the, and one thing that you've talked about I thought was very brave, and I and I agree, is that I think it's okay for women to talk about their ambition because we are ambitious mm-hmm. and we want those things. And I think we've been sort of taught that it's not okay to be so declarative about that and, and open about that. And the guys don't even think twice about right. it. And I think... If you own your own ambition, then you are more willing to ask for a job that you want or ask for the money that you want. And I think it's all part of a mindset um, that it's okay. Mm-hmm. I love thinking about it as owning your ambition rather than, I think another way we sometimes talk about it is like around confidence, but it's a confidence is not necessarily a natural thing. It's a little harder to maybe obtain if you don't feel naturally confident, but you can, you know, be ambitious is something you can work towards. And I think I I really like that. I think it's really, really important for all of us to be thinking about. I'd love to talk about saying no. Throughout our careers, we learn that it's important to say yes to opportunities and it's, you know, you never know what's out there and why not just say yes and jump in. But sometimes it's really important to say no, and we've been talking about that more and more in terms of our our jobs and our career and our day-to-day work. Are there any scenarios you've personally been in where you found it was important to say no? That it Lisa, just... Lisa has a great saying <laughs> that is about the power of no. Okay. She's often reminding me about the power of no, because sometimes if I say no about something, I might then be a little anxious. Oh, I shouldn't have said no. I did say no. And she says, just wait for it. It's the power of no. And sure enough, it's it works like a charm. As soon as you say no, the dynamic shifts, mm-hmm. and the power moves your way, and whatever it is you were worried about seems to to go away, and a bigger opportunity or a bigger chance often follows it. Do you totally agree? And it's scary, yeah. but I do think that at the end of the day, it shifts the dynamic, um, and what you're most afraid of. Ultimately, if you say yes, might not happen. But if you say no, because of the power shift, you you uh, people start leaning. It sort of people move towards you as opposed to away from you. Mm-hmm. And and I would say for me, and I and I when I was thinking about this, you know, the, saying no, I think that it's it's related to the power of no. But I also think we're all so busy, and there's so many great things to do. But it's figuring out for me. Like, where can I really put the limited time and energy that I have and really show up for it and, and com- fulfill the obligations and, 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 and be contributing in a way that is sort of up to my own standards? Mm-hmm. You know, just saying yes to everything, to have my name here or there, doesn't serve anybody well. And, and, so. and we know who those people are. Yeah. There are a lot of people out there who say yes to everything, and then they become known as superficial contributors, um, drive-by participants. um, And so really curating your life and and making your choices so that the pieces fit together is very powerful. Yeah. 
And I would add one more thing, and, and it's more related to, and it's a personal experience, of saying no to a job that, while the pay was great and the title was awesome, I knew it wasn't the culture or the place where I could be myself. And really being honest about that and saying no, mm-hmm. as opposed to saying yes. Yeah. I, um, I think it, it was in an article about The Matrix that I think you had talked about um, something similar, where some of the, and some of these questions came out of that. But it really resonated with me, like, when you're looking at a job, looking at the entire environment, the entire picture, like, it could be a dream, but am I going to be comfortable there? Am I going to be able to, like, live my truth there, essentially. And that really resonated because I do think that's really, really hard. And I think when you're presented, if you're taking care of your family and your bills, like with that opportunity. Um, so I think that's really important and a great a great opportunity to say no and and kind of know that you have the power to think about it and, and kind of refuse it. That's really hard. It's really, really hard. We like to ask our guests are classically annoying interview questions. <laughs> so this is the fun, this is one of the fun part. We got to the fun. We got through, they're both laughing now. They were like very serious. Now we're having fun. <laughs> we will have fun. Um, you both have interviewed a lot of people, I'm sure, in your careers. And we always find it fun to turn this around on our guests and ask them questions that maybe you've asked an interview and, you know, not necessarily wanting to know the real answer, but asking it because you wanted to get to hear what they would say or react to that question. Um, so I invite you to answer these questions Honestly, or if you want, you can tell me that you want to answer them how you think you should answer them <laughs> in order to get the job up to you. Um, so we'll start with the question, where do you see yourself five years from now? <laughs> the Wait, look. I- I'll go first. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I have the best job on the planet. And so I realistically think that in five years, and I hope that in five years, I'm doing exactly what I'm doing right now. The best, and the that's best answer honest. you could hope for. That's, <laughs> that's honest. honest. I love it. So I guess my honesty equivalent is I have no idea. <laughs> um, I love my job too. I've been in this role for 12 years at Pfizer and really found it to be as uh, challenging and fascinating and impactful as anything I've ever done. But I've never really had that kind of here's where I'm going and here's the three things I need to do to mm-hmm. get there. Um, and if anyone tells you in an interview that they know all that, I'm a little suspect. So for myself, I, I don't know. Um, I've had the chance to work abroad. I've had the chance to work in three different big companies. Um, I don't know. I think it is important to remain open to what the world brings you and what you yourself find on your, on your journey. And this is not one of the interview questions, but... What do you do about goal setting? That just made me think about it. Like, how do you individually think about goals? Is it next week, next month? Is it five years? You know, how do you check in with yourselves every year, every month, every day? How do you kind of actively set goals and make sure you feel like things are good? It doesn't have to be big well, picture goals. I, there's really two ways that I can answer your, your question. The first is, um, here at the company, we've radically changed the way we're setting goals. And what used to be pages and pages, mm-hmm. we now each have four or five goals only. And so it was this radical focus, uh, very metric-oriented 
goals, and we no longer do them for a year. We're doing them for six months. That's great. Because Pfizer is mid-transformation, and we need to be laser-focused, outcomes-driven, and fast-moving. So that's what happens at the company. <clears throat> in my personal life, and Lisa knows this is true. She's going to make fun of me. But I'm very, <laughs> I'm very kind of uh, reflective, particularly at this time of the year where we're um, recording this at the end of the year. I will take the next 10 days to really think about the different facets of my life, um, myself as a wife, as a mother, as a daughter, so the whole family thing, as a sister. And then I also like to think about things I'm trying to do in a philanthropic mm-hmm. hat. I'm the co-chair of the International Rescue Committee, and I will sort of go through the various elements of myself and just ask myself whether I think I'm giving each one of these my best. And if so, great. And if not, what is it I want to try next year to be a little bit better at? So I do tease Sally about it because she is so thoughtful about it. (laughs) And I think it makes me feel guilty that I'm not as thoughtful, (laughs) to be honest. Uh, I don't have the same process. And I've always admired that about her. Um, So... And and I guess at some level I do my own version of that, but it is it is not as um, sort of defined and specific. And I I wish I could be more like that, to be honest. I think it's it's, it's all worked out for you just fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an individual choice because also I think a lot of people I know they do set goals, but then they never revisit them or follow mm-hmm. them. So it's like really, what's going to work best for you? Yeah, it seems to be working okay yeah. for you, Lisa. She's not suffering. <laughs> do you set? Um, do you set resolutions? Like we are, we're approaching the end of the year. This will. <laughs> well, we do there? have a yeah, sure. <laughs> we have a that. we have a little ritual. Okay. Yeah. So first of all, we've celebrated New Year's together for the most part, with a few off-year exceptions, for thirty years. Wow. Is that fair? Yes. And the ritual, I think, has been going for about that long. Yep. So we do cast-offs where we have a fireplace and we write on a piece of paper what our cast-off is going to be and we stand up and we read it to each other and then we throw it in the fire. Oh, wow. And then we have a... After that, we have a second thing where we write something we want to bring into our lives and then we say it out loud, throw it in the fire. Oh, you also burn... Yeah, we burn <laughs> everything. everything. <laughs> burn everything. We burn everything. Oh, that's We burn so house signs. <laughs> We burn stuff we need to get rid of. <laughs> yes. We sage houses. You know. I love this. Wow, that's so nice. I think it's really, that's very brave to read out loud your cast-offs. I feel like that is. Except we know at this point know each other so well we could write Do each other's cast-offs. <laughs> yes, I've been casting off being judgmental for 30 years, <laughs> and I'm still very judgmental. <laughs> but you're working on it. That's all we can ask. I'm that's, working that's on it. That's all I'm you can ask. On it. Oh, my God. I love that. So this year, are you celebrating New Year's together? We are not, sadly. <gasps> oh, no. We are not. You'll have to catch we're, up the we're second at and third a point, of January. <laughs> yeah, we, and we will. We're at a point in our lives where, um, you know, it's a classic sort of sandwich generation thing. And between, we're lucky that we have most of our parents with us. Um, we have teenage children. and young adult children that still... Um, want to be with and their families. With <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we haven't been quite as consistent as we would, but the intention is always there. 
Yeah. Still got to burn that paper. Still got to burn oh, that yeah. paper. At some point, you're going to burn that paper. Exactly. Back to the interview questions. What has been the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome professionally? Can you think of one particular obstacle? I think ultimately for me it was feeling comfortable showing up every day being myself in all of its forms. And and, and attached to that is um, finding my voice. And, and to Sally's point earlier, you know, not being in being in the room and 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 speaking up versus not speaking up and i think those two things for me are connected mm-hmm. when i'm feeling like i can be myself then i can really participate and and contribute and say the things that i think but didn't have the courage to put out there when i when i felt like i had to be somebody else and might be judged for that do you have any advice for someone early in their career who if things that you wish, oh, I wish I didn't have to go through this. Someone could have just told me <laughs> this part. <laughs> well, I think I think the telling uh, of that is one thing, but actually, sort of the process of going through it personally is is another. Right. And I think everybody has their own journey, and everybody comes to it in their own time. But I would just say, the sooner you can get there, the better. Right. And a slightly different shade on that is, um, I recently read something that my friend Bobby Brown put on her Instagram, basically saying, essentially, don't worry, it's going to work out. (laughs) And I wrote her back and I said, I wish somebody would have told me that a long time ago because I'm a worrier, I angst a lot, and I don't want to be cavalier. I realize things don't always work out, but the amount of worry is sometimes disproportionate Mm -hmm. and unhelpful to, to the process that you're going through. Right. Yeah, I read a quote today very similar to that. Something about like the worrying just makes the present difficult. Like you don't you can't control necessarily what's going to happen, so you actually are making things a little bit worse pot- potentially by by worrying about it. Especially the small stuff. A lot of companies now are asking these really complicated questions at interviews that maybe don't have right answers and you don't know what they're looking for, but we always like to pull them from different companies. You can find them online. And so uh, one of them that we found was an investor walks into your office and says you could have a million dollars to launch your best entrepreneurial idea. What is it? Well, first I would say, did you say million or billion? Because I think a billion, <laughs> would, a billion would be better. Okay, but, let's um, say a billion. Okay, a billion. This is a question that they ask at Amazon. So let's say big money. Okay, big money. Billion. <laughs> well, what I would do is I would create an impact investing fund. Um, lots, lots of people are doing it. It's not an original idea that I'm creating here, but I admire it. And I like the idea of investing with people who are thinking about diversity and leadership, are thinking about purpose-driven companies, are thinking about the triple bottom line, so not just the financial bottom line, but other bottom lines, environmental, social, et cetera. I think that would be great fun. Great answer. So uh, early in my career, I did have... uh, Not a billion dollars. (laughs) Clearly not a billion. Probably not even a million. No, we had a million. Um, I had a startup. Sally was one of the folks that invested early, friends and family round. Uh, And it was uh, called the Women's Sports Network, and it was a marketing services company using the concept of using sports as a way to reach women and girls for brands. It's not a novel concept, uh, but using women's sports was the novel piece. Great idea. Um, But I think it was ahead of its time. 
And so with a billion dollars, I would relaunch that, especially as we see what's going on with the women's soccer team and so many other amazing female athletes who are so aspirational. Um, but the twist on it that I would do today is I'm very intrigued with these one-for-one businesses like um, Bombas or Tom's right. where you buy one you contribute one to someone in need. So I would say that we would, for every dollar we raise, a portion of the proceeds would go towards um, women, girl, young girls sports programs in communities that really are underserved. I love that. I just thought of an um, idea for a reality show is revisiting mm-hmm. startup mm-hmm. startups like if I could <laughs> do it over again mm-hmm. later because the environment change. like what you're saying now I'm like oh my god that's amazing like my niece is nine she's obsessed with the WNBA crazy for it mm-hmm. and you could easily market to her <laughs> through, through that so I love that idea of bringing it bringing it back. As we wrap up this conversation, um, I want to ask a few kind of quick lightning round questions. Um, the first one being, what's the best job that you ever had? We already know that, Lisa. Yeah, I think <laughs> I've, answered. I've answered that one. I have to say same for me. Great. I think this is the best job I've ever had. Hardest, but best. Great. And what's the worst job that you can share? <laughs> I, I had a summer internship um, when I worked at the uh, bus company in Missouri. It was pretty bad. That's... And I had a job in college where I was the job, I was late to the job, like, application process, so I ended up having to sweep the pottery studio at the end of every day. (laughs) It was horrible. That's like never-ending dust. Like, that sounds Exactly. And they didn't didn't supply masks, so it was not pretty. That does not sound good (laughs) for your lungs. What's the best piece of career advice that you've ever received? It was the advice my dad gave me when I was heading off to college where he basically said, your reputation is your most important asset. God, what great advice. <laughs> it really it really was and it is. Oh my gosh. Tell your yeah, start telling your children that like in middle school. That's incredible. How about for you? You know, I think a very specific piece of advice that turned out to be among the best was the when I was encouraged to leave um, my first big job after 17 years, big corporate, um, co- big corporation, to start the Women's Sports Network. Um, it was scary. Um, and most people at that time stayed in careers and, jo- and companies for 30-plus right. years. Um, and so the encouragement to do that was the best piece of advice because from that point on, it totally changed the trajectory of my life. That's incredible. Have you ever received, like, a particularly bad piece of career advice or something someone told you that you're like that can't that can't be right don't tell people that well I don't remember a a specific advice but um, I think what Lisa said earlier is really important which is do not chase the money it's just the wrong you won't be happy Mm -hmm. I mean if you happen to make a lot of money great but (laughs) just making decisions short-term decisions for money I, I think is a mistake right that actually would be mine, too. Yeah. What is one thing that you're watching, listening to, reading right now that you absolutely want to share with our listeners? Well, Sally probably reads a book a day, so she has a long list. <laughs> How? I love, I love to read. Um, I've gotten a new pile of books um, <clears throat> for, ho- for holiday gifts. But I, <clears throat> I guess the 
probably one of my real joys, though, is listening to podcasts. And probably my my two favorites are The Daily for information. And I and I'm a big fan of Modern Love. I think they're wonderful stories. That's really good. Both great recommendations. So I've just seen the movie about Fred Rogers, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and I watched the documentary a few months ago, and I've really been captivated by it in so many ways. Number one, there's a level of kindness um, and thoughtfulness that he brought to the conversation that is so missing right now. And that was, that's and, and a cure, like a, a wonderful human curiosity mm-hmm. um, that I just found fantastic. Um, and then I, I am taken by the power, I've always been taken by the power of media to change lives. And when I see what he was able to do through kindness and caring and curiosity to change the lives of young kids. It's, it was just extraordinary. That's so great. I'm a big fan. On that beautiful note, we have to end this interview. But thank you both so, so much. Again, congratulations on your Matrix Awards. And I really enjoy talking to you. Thank you for your advice. Um, and if you want more information about this podcast, you can follow New York Women in Communication on Twitter at NYWICI. And you can find all the episodes at nywici.org slash podcast. So nywiki.org slash podcast. Thanks again to our amazing guests, Sally Sussman from Pfizer, Lisa Sherman from the Ad Council. We really appreciate their incredible advice. I learned a lot. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. You've been listening to Coffee Break with New York Wiki. I'm your host, Julie hockheiser Ilkovich. Thank you to the amazing team that works on this podcast. Chelsea Orcutt, Elizabeth Roberts, Chrisanne Grise, Mandy Carr, and Alex Fetter, who wrote our original theme music. And thank you to the team at New York Wiki who supports us, including, but not limited to, everyone at Kellen, Deidre Wyeth, and June Price, who designed the show's logo and does all of our graphics. For more information about Coffee Break with New York Wiki, go to nywici.org slash podcast. That's nywiki.org slash podcast. <laughs>